Welcome to What the If? A shout out to the What the If Orchestra. <laughs> Wherever they may be. Thank you. You guys are amazing. You guys are amazing. Uh, their conductor, uh, Kurt von If. You know, it's really pretty amazing that they managed to turn in exactly the same performance every time. I mean, their reliability is just astounding. That's right. That's right. Um, we should all be so reliable. <laughs> the rest of the show. <laughs> the rest of the show is all over the place. But yeah. The posting days, the... Yeah. Um, I hope you're all enjoying the show. If you've been listening a long time, by the way, let me know how you feel. What do you think? You, what, what would you say to the any requests? Any requests for the what the if orchestra? <laughs> they do take requests. Okay, yeah, well, they, let's see if they know any BGs and uh, Free Bird. Yeah. It's always a popular one. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. Feedback at whattheif.com. <laughs> Send in your request for the what the if orchestra, or go to our website whattheif.com, and uh, there's a little suggestion box, a little comment box right there on the front page. You can write uh, if you have any ideas for us. Um, that would be great. Tell you what, I'm going to throw one in right now. We got a mm. quick one. Here's uh, just kind of going through the mailbag. Yes, sir. I told you, and they're diverse. This orchestra. Oh yeah. That's right. I mean, look at the range. I think Kurt uh, Kurt uh, took a sabbatical from Munich, where he was originally classically trained, and um, went down to uh, Kentucky. Well, train for this particular thing yeah uh, looking yeah look <laughs> going to the mailbag we're being silly today silly if dan writes in and says you guys basically said uh this on your comfy planet episode mm. uh again what the check that out comfy planet i'm trying to remember which one that was that was okay. um the uh the one where we launched off of those uh astronomers who had argued they had found a better place for an exoplanet that was better for life than uh, ah. the Earth. So we were imagining what that might look like. That's right. That's right. So Dan says, you, you guys basically said this on your Comfy Planet episode, but anyway, what if, or what the if, uh, we could create tiny controllable black holes and we decided to throw all trash in there? Would we run out of natural resources no more plastic pollution, but then future generations could harvest our dumps. There's a t-shirt right there. For plastics to recycle. Oh, I think we, we did that, didn't we? Didn't we do um, uh, personal black holes for recycling purposes? We, we may very well have. Uh, and how about the use of black holes for other things like mining? I don't know if we've done that. We've done nuclear weapons. See, by the way, we've done anyone who, when you hear us, if you've listened before, you know that at the end of the show, we scream in horror at the multitude of ifs that are out there. There are probably more ifs than neutrinos. <laughs> that would and be a they, lot do, of they, they also fly right through you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Well, thank you, Dan. By the way, that was super imaginative. So I do like that. Personal black holes, I don't have mine yet. But I think that could be some merch we might be able to sell. That would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Get your personal black hole. What would you do 
with a black hole. We did like super, yeah, we did, we did sort of like, yes, what if everyone had a little black hole in their house? You're correct. Um, good stuff. Send in your ideas. Feedback at whattheif.com. And thank you, Dan. Thanks for imagining. Thanks for ifing. Hmm. Um, this week, we have, uh, um, you are um, a historian of science. Uh, I am a, a documentary filmmaker, mm -hmm. which means that I don't have any standards to live up to. <laughs> really? Yeah. Do I you, mean, if somebody cries at the end, the whole thing seems true and people... It's good enough. All right. That's pretty much it. Don't tell any of my documentary friends I said that. But, um, but you are a, a, a scholar and a gentleman, by the way, I would say. I don't, I don't know that there's a degree for, or, you know, I assume that when you applied to NYU, you had to either be a, a gentleman or a scholar, and you are both. Well, I'm afraid the, the gender breakdown in academia does suggest that. Uh, that is something <laughs> uh, and so um, I've been thinking about things that really dive deep. I, I always feel like there are, I mean, speaking about personal black holes, I think that your body of knowledge is like these black holes that Dan was talking about, that so much knowledge has been poured in there and uh, an enormous amount, uh, and we can extract that. <laughs> oh, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> to learn science. Uh, we haven't done it in a little while, so just tell me what, what, what exactly, what's, what is the, what's the deal here with this show? What, why do we do this? Oh, what do, well, why we do this um, <laughs> is presumably to cause a maximum chaos and uh, hasten the end of Western civilization. Um, yeah. what Eastern do, civilization, by the way, you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> what we do is we uh, change something about the world. Um, what if humans had four toes? Um, what if donuts were not delicious? And then we uh, run with the consequences. And um, sometimes we learn some science along the way. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, uh, so one of our uh, personal favorite, one of the audience favorites, uh, what if a Big, Big Mac wrapper, uh, McDonald's uh, Big Mac wrapper, were found on the moon, for instance? You know, check mm -hmm. that out. And so um, this time, I, uh, uh, sometimes ifs, in fact, many times, an if, spawns another if that's part of the danger yep. of the whole that's right mm -hmm. the whole thing and um uh uh this came up in, in in i don't know some sometimes an idea pops up and then i uh, listeners may have heard me say oh i'm writing that down we're going to do right. that mm -hmm. and that that is what happened that is where this idea came so this this idea just totally came out of the ether out of some other discussion i don't even know i don't remember but I thought, um, what would it be like if uh, somehow we, we were talking about live streaming or something, like the internet, like live blogging and things like mm -hmm. that. And um, what would it be like if in the olden times, pre we could do pre-internet, and I think we might even push it to go pre-electricity. We'll see. We'll see how far we can push this. What would it be like to try? What if you tried to live stream back then? What would that even mean? Uh, if you had no stream, you had live, assuming, but you had no stream, how would you manufacture that? How would you communicate with people in the world? So um, this, is, this, is, this is if without a net. 
ifing without a net, flying out there with a question, we, we don't know where this was going to go. And I think just before we started, Matt, you were a little nervous about this. I, I, am, I always get nervous in the lack of live streaming. That's right. <laughs> uh, if, if I'm not constantly broadcasting something to the world, I get very anxious. Right. And so, what the if? You had to live stream your life without the internet, without possibly electricity this is the first if we've had an uh, maybe ever that has multiple options in it the internet comes about uh, when internet i remember the internet i think 1994 i might have had my first aol account well as is usually with this uh, as a, a good rule of thumb um, with any technological innovation or invention is uh, whatever date you pick, uh, there will be some predecessor earlier to that date. Um, in the same way that whatever person you pick as the inventor for something, um, you can almost certainly find someone who had a similar idea earlier. Um, so you get this kind of regress. So um, the, uh, uh, the usual tale of the the invention of the internet um, begins with a slightly different beast called the ARPANET. Um, so uh, DARPA was, was the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, uh, which was this kind of federal think tank for coming up with crazy projects. Um, uh, and also it has something to do with Lost. I never watched Lost, so the I can't. DARPA. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Smart move. Oh, Dar way. I believe Lost had the Dharma initiative. Dharma. Okay. Um, Sorry. Dharma being the old Sanskrit word for law, um, used in Buddhist philosophy. So that's that's a different if. Um, what if the world was run by Buddhists? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Writing that down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, so DARPA. So I should say after after World War II, the success of the Manhattan Project. Um, seemed to many people to the, the lesson of the Manhattan Project seemed to be that uh, if you get a bunch of smart people together and lock them up and only let them talk to each other, they'll come up with interesting ideas like how to blow up a city. Oh. Um, uh, so Mission after, accomplished, unfortunately. So after well, for better or worse. Yeah. There's, there's a number of these sort of spin-off um, groups and some of them turn into like uh, Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory um, or the Rand Corporation. Right? These are all sort of conceptual descendants of the Manhattan Project. Mm -hmm. um, and DARPA is one of these as well. Uh, also, and shout out to some of our, we, uh, you know, we have a listener, perhaps uh, multiple listeners at uh, Lawrence Livermore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting place. Yeah, it's, it's good fun. Um, uh, so, so DARPA is, is one of these. Um, as the as the name suggests, it's done through the Department of Defense, so it's supposed to particularly have that uh, that that lean to it. Um, and one of the problems that um, DARPA is grappling with in the 1970s um, is let's see here uh, how to survive a nuclear war. Okay. 
Um, uh, because it turns out that's kind of a tricky thing to do. Um, there's the, uh, you know, everybody remember, well, everyone of a certain age remembers the duck and cover drills and Yertle the turtle and such, right? The idea that if a nuclear bomb explodes on your town, um, you uh, duck under your desk and come out a minute later and you'll be fine. Um, and of course, everybody knew that wasn't actually the case. It was just you know, civil defense was a weird thing. Um, but nonetheless, the government is still taking this uh, seriously. And one of the things they start uh, thinking or realizing by the 1970s is that a lot of um, modern national defense depends on computers and uh, moving information from one place to another and then processing that information. So sometimes that's uh, at the time, you know, that would be things like radar information about where Soviet missiles were in the sky, right? That's an important piece of information. Um, and you want to get that information from place to place. Um, and you then need computers to process that. So um, one of the problems is uh, computers at the time were big and clunky um, and very vulnerable to attack. So the, the big heads at DARPA um, are, are wondering about this problem. Well, what happens if the Soviets get a first strike in and their first hit disables our main computer that processes uh, this information? Then we're doomed. It's all over. <laughs> we might as well just give up and hope they, Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen can stop the invaders in Colorado. They hit the computer. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's all over. Um, so this, uh, the, the DARPA folks have this idea. They say, well, what if, um, we decentralize our computing resources, right? What if instead of one big computer, we have a dozen medium sized computers and let them talk to each other. So that'll give us the same amount of computing power. But then if one of them gets hit, the rest can still function. Right. Yeah. So this is this is an important philosophy in terms of surviving um, a nuclear war uh, generally that, that people come up with during the Cold right. War era is this distribution of resources. So you spread everything out so it can't right. all get hit by one big bomb. So the interesting thing is, if you think about like in going back to the pre-internet era, mm -hmm. there was, say, the Pony Express. Mail delivered by horse. Yeah. Uh, horse mounted mailman. That was incredibly uh, distributive or, you know, not centralized. You, you could drop a nuclear bomb on, uh, an unfortunate, <laughs> on a single unfortunate messenger. Yes. That's the right. mail would still go. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so what had happened was the, the, it's interesting that we put a lot of eggs in, in one basket, so to speak, mm -hmm. and they had to come up with this system. So we're going back to a time before such a thing existed. And the, the, power of the internet when it did come when they did connect all those computers was that you as we can now if i want to send a message it goes to a vast number of people simultaneously mm -hmm. and in fact so efficiently that if a nuclear bomb were to drop on any one city fortunately my tweet about my chicken sandwich would make it to the to the rest of the, the world. Yes, you have just summed up the the double-edged sword of the internet very nicely. 
Um, <laughs> on one end, your tweet about your excellent chicken sandwich can get through no matter what. That's right, um, no matter what. But yeah. also, your tweet about your chicken sandwich will get through no matter what. Right? <laughs> I, I cannot Touché. stop you Touché. from doing that. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and this is—I uh, should say—this is a, you know, in the recent um, American uh, political controversies, um, mm-hmm. we have uh, websites, uh, you know, declining to give uh, voice to certain people and certain groups. Um, but essentially, on the internet, it's impossible to shut anyone up because one place gets shut down and you start up another one. Um, the decentralized nature of it means that it's extremely difficult. Um, to pre- uh, to prevent people from talking to each other on right. the internet, right? So, so people have always here's the thing: people have always wanted to. Uh, this is a bold hypothesis. People okay. have always wanted to share their lunch. Yep, that's right. Um, with the world. This is yeah, that's right. And sometimes, well, let me say, people have always wanted to um, share their lunch and uh, kill each other. So, and again, the internet is the distillation of this, right? It's, its original function was to um, keep ourselves alive as other people try to kill us um, and to kill other people more efficiently, right? It was a defense project. Um, and right. now we use it for talking about lunch. Um, and sort of as you go way, way back in human civilization, those two problems um, have been the driver of a lot of communication. How do I get my army to coordinate in such a way that I can go kill the people who I don't like because they wear different color clothes than me? That's right. Um, and then how do I get the farmers to give me their extra grain um, so I can stay as king? Right. Right. I think uh, as they say, act locally, kill globally. <laughs> right. I think that's that's what it is. So I want to... I want to share my lunch. I'm having lunch and mm-hmm. I am, uh, yeah, let's, we're going, we're going pre-industrial era. Let's just, we're jumping, we're just going all the way. But let's go all the way back to cuneiform, right? Clay tablet. Oh, okay. With all the right. Babylonians. Um, so the, I say the very first, the oldest written document we have is a cuneiform yeah. tablet and it is uh, about lunch or more specifically a, a martini lunch. Um, it's, it's a recipe for beer. Amazing. Really? This yeah, is for this real. Is, this is before bread existed. So beer is sort of proto bread. Um, so we know that one of the very first things that human beings started writing down, um, was how to make food. Well, and so, and cuneiform is, are these like the, they look like little little scratches they're yeah they're clay tablets that fit in your hand actually they, they look not unlike they're about the size of like a blackberry if you remember those um <laughs> so you take a, a wet clay tablet of about that size and then you right. have a stick that sort of has sort of a triangular end and you yeah. press the stick into the clay um in different patterns uh and then um uh and then when the clay dries uh it keeps those marks um and they last really really well actually um, so for instance, paper will burn. So if you set fire to a library of paper books, the books will disappear. If you set yeah. fire to a library of cuneiform tablets, they just become tougher because you've then fired the clay. In, so in these, earlier, yeah. let's just say that was fascinating, by the way, there's a little note there. In mm-hmm. earlier situation where humanity, because of the technology was still new, let's say writing or collecting books in libraries, uh, one of the great libraries 
did burn or was burned on purpose or something, right? The Library of Alexandria. Yeah. And um, a lot of eggs in one basket. Everything was destroyed. They had not yet distributed mm -hmm. things widely enough. <clears throat> um, yeah, but so this notion of, of distributing information is really important. Um, yeah. And uh, the, the Library of Alexandria gets, gets brought up in these conversations a lot as an example of what we need to avoid. So that would be one of the, the pieces of reasoning about the modern internet, right? Is that we can, we can duplicate information easily and we should in case of disaster. Um, but that was actually the same reasoning back in the 18th century um, about the first encyclopedias. So the, when, when Diderot writes the encyclopedia, um, his reasoning is explicitly apocalyptic. He says, what if human civilization is destroyed and all we have is the books from the previous generation? We need to have something that will help us rebuild civilization, that will contain all of human knowledge. Um, and that was the point of the encyclopedia, was that you would, you would write down all the essential things and then make a bunch of copies of it and put it in different places. Right. So the first... Wikipedia, so to speak, although the totally different, it had a totally different uh, method. It was more about. Yes, it was. They, not they did their best to be scholarly, not uh, let any, not just anyone could write it. But um, so I want to. We're 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 in the age of cuneiforms, and yeah. so the letters themselves. By the way, just just to get back to that, since it's audio only, mm -hmm. the uh, the what they look like are like little hash marks, like little dashes. They're, they're little, little vertical. triangles, yeah, arranged together. So if there's three triangles on top of each other, that's one symbol. Um, ah. If there's three triangles arranged uh, in a different way, then it looks like something else. Um, right. And eventually those, uh, uh, those patterns of marks turn into the letters that we know today. Right, right. Yeah. So, so somebody wrote that. Uh, what, what kind of name? What, what? Might someone like that have been? What, what oh, like the bartender who wrote that Babylonian uh, name? Um, that's an uh, excellent question. I don't know if we do a quick <laughs> Google here, because um, I have. Uh, I mean, other than oh, they've got wow, that's great. So there's um, a, a website that provides twenty thousand Babylonian names. <laughs> wow, so just too many for me. Um, uh, let's do that's just uh, in case in case the world is destroyed they want to make sure some of the babylonian names will yeah that's survive. right all right so let's do uh humusi that sounds humusi good. humusi yeah. bartender so humusi writes down this yeah this recipe yeah he's got this recipe he wants to make sure he gets it right each time his customers really you know they're like wow i should really say actually it. we know that humusi was a government official actually not a bartender per se um, oh. because the, the purpose of this document, the reason they're talking about making beer is because workers were paid in beer. <laughs> like the people what making possibly <laughs> the people making the ziggurats got paid in beer. Really? Yeah. Well, it's amazing the thing, you know, I don't know. Maybe this is an awesome document. I say it's a very cool document. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so this government document now, uh, so, like government, for instance, this recipe for beer, this should this should really go wide, right? So, I want to, uh, I've, but thinking, keeping it in the spirit of live streaming in a way. I've just written this, right? Mm -hmm. Nowadays, I would tweet it, right? Boom, right. Uh, and, and, then, and here, yeah. look at this recipe for beer I just made. You know, try it yourself, and there'd be a funny selfie with it. Okay, so. I'm sorry. What was his name again, sir? Humusi. Humusi. 
is like, man, I got the best recipe for beer. I want to share it with the world. <laughs> yep. Okay. And forgetting even like that he thinks the world is much smaller than it actually is. It's the world, it's the whole world, mm-hmm. right? What can he do? How can he make this happen? Right. So if you want, um, and I should say, we know that Humusi did need to get this information out there because, uh-huh. you know, he's in Babylon, uh, but they're building a ziggurat in Akkad. Um, and in Akkad, they've got to figure out how to pay their workers. Um, they don't know how to do it. So Humusi's like, oh, geez, got to tell these people how to do this. Um, so oh, probably not geez. What, what other, what would, what God oh, would he oh, have Marduk. taken in Marduk. By Marduk's beard. Um, so he's got this tablet, um, right. and well, so the, he needs to get it to a cod, which let's say is a few hundred miles away. Um, the first thing he wants to do is make a copy of it. Okay. Um, because he might need to send it to somebody else later and he probably wants to read it himself later too. So that means, uh, he, or someone who he can give orders to, has to sit down with the tablet he just wrote, as well as a fresh clay tablet, and write the same things again. Okay, copy it over. So he finds the other person in Babylon who knows how to write and read, and tells them, your job today is to copy this thing over. All right. It's like a temp. It's like a temp. Like I should say, this is an extremely time-consuming and difficult process. So if you... I don't know, for most of human civilization, if you were one of the few people who knew how to read and write, odds are you spent your time not writing down new things, but copying over stuff that had already been written. Uh. Right? Um, and that might be your entire life. Like if you were a medieval monk in Ireland, uh, your entire life might be copying over three books. Wow. And they were were they they were called scribes. Scribes, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. So when yeah. you say scribe, that's that's right. the kind of person we're talking about. And so it was, but it was an illustrious job, I'm guessing. No. Um, oh, it wasn't. Oh, no. I mean, you had to be educated, so you had to have some level of social class. Um, right. But if uh, intellectual materials weren't, so you, it's one of these things where you're valuable, right? Hard to replace and important, um, but still nobody gives you any credit for that. Were Were you paid with beer? In In which case, it would be. <laughs> Well, beer and bread by then. Is the, so the medieval. Okay, stars. well, at least some bread to soak up the beer. Soak up but, the beer. Um, but yeah, so we would got... be really late. You know, you don't want to be given work. You don't want to be given your assignment to your scribe late in the day mm-hmm. or after <laughs> payday. Um, uh, well, yes, there is something to that, and the um, uh, in fact, there's a whole uh, uh, there's a whole subdiscipline of. Um, uh, ancient history that looks at the kind of mistakes that scribes typically made. No way. Um, so, because it turns out that if you spend, say, 12 hours a day copying things over, you're going to make some mistakes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And humans make particular kinds of mistakes regularly. So one of the things you have to do if you if you work on these, these ancient texts um, is learn how to recognize these particular sorts of mistakes. Um, this is particularly a problem for old um, Bibles is uh, you'll get old copies of Bibles where things are are, are miscopied. Um, so you get famous things like the Ten Commandments where it says, thou shalt commit adultery, because sometimes you forget to copy over and Wait, does that really exist? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and see, spell check, even if they had spell check then. It still wouldn't help, right? Wouldn't work. Um, 
Yeah. So, so as Hamusi gets his scribe to copy over uh, the tablet, um, one of the things he might want to do is watch it closely to make sure it gets copied over right, um, uh-huh. because of you, you want to make sure the recipe is correct. But of course, that's a big chunk of time too. So that's a, a decision Humusi has to make. So does he want to make sure it's right? Yeah. Or does he want it done quickly? Um, yeah. And then once it's done, um, the tablet he has to get the tablet to Akkad. Um, so traveling a few hundred miles um, in uh, 3000 BC or so uh, probably means walking it. Oh, no, no, no horses, no animals. Um, horse riding is a, a fairly advanced piece of technology. Oh. Um, and uh, at the time, horses would usually be used for drawing um, chariots or wagons rather mm-hmm. than riding them per se. So mm-hmm. it's not that somebody would hop on the back of a horse and ride, but the, the value for speed, the value of a horse was that it could carry lots of stuff um, and wow. not get as tired as a person. So it's probably still going to go at walking speed. Um, ah, interesting. So, yeah. uh, so walking speed for a few hundred miles, um, that's a uh, couple of weeks, a couple of wow. weeks of walking. Right. Right. So the, the, how many, how many bytes of information do you think is in this tablet? Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, it's a, a, it's a page. Um, it probably has about the same amount of, um, uh, uh, information as a written page today in a book. All right, so let's see. So, how many uh, words would you say are on a page? Two hundred fifty. Okay, uh, yeah, that's probably a paragraph, right? Um, yeah. And each word is, uh, let's say, uh, six letters long. So let's call that fifteen hundred letters. Um, and a letter nowadays we we code eight bits to the letter. Um, so let's call that. Uh, uh, 10,000. Okay. So yeah. So 10 K information per 10 K 10 K per cuneiform tablet. Okay. That's reasonable. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out the, 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 what the, the download speed here. Yep. No, that's, that's, so, the, that's the correct question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 10 K per two weeks, you said, uh, yeah, let's call it two weeks, 14 days. Uh, shout out to our computer friends. This is a, uh, a call out to the listener base of what the, if what's the bandwidth of a cuneiform uh, being sent with a beer recipe from, uh, what, what was the origin of this uh, uh, Babylon. city? Yeah, Babylon to Akkad. From Babylon to Akkad, a 14-day journey. It's bad, mm. whatever it is. It, it's it's bad. bad, yeah. So I think our back-of-the-envelope calculation suggests that um, it's something on the order of uh, one millionth the speed that okay. you have in terms of upload and download today. Um, now, and imagine when you get irritated wa- waiting for something to download, let's say a web page to load, for instance, you get irritated. Imagine that down, imagine that frustration being magnified by a million. Yes, that's right. <laughs> this is why perhaps beer was so highly coveted. <laughs> Because <laughs> it took a lot of. You got to chill. You got to yeah. just calm down. It'll get here. So um, I should say there are some tricks you can do to make your life a little bit better here. Yeah. What do um, we do? One of them is remembering that you can carry more than one cuneiform tablet at a time. Ah, fortunately, yes. Right. So 
if um, I carry a backpack full of them, uh, then maybe I can carry, say, 200 at a time. Ooh, so okay. I've dramatically increased my information transmission speed. Yes. Um, with the downside that um, Humui has to write 200 of them first, oh. which will probably take a little while. Well, Humu- um, Humui's scribe. Well, Humui has to write them in the first place, and then the scribe has to copy oh. them. All right. So right. figure that'll take, I don't know, a couple of weeks itself. Um, oh, so it saying, takes a couple right. weeks. So to, yeah. you're, you're saying 200 different recipes for beer. Right. Yes. Or, right. or, or, gotcha. or he, gotcha. if he's talking about his lunch, right? That's our goal is to yeah. inform the world about our lunch. So yeah. he describes his lunch, which is beer, um, right. every day <laughs> for 200 <laughs> days. That's right. Uh, and then he sticks them all in a sack. Um, day, day, day. <laughs> Day 27, another yep. beer. Another but it could beer. be a different beer. It's a different beer each day. because he's be a, a different recipe each day. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Exactly. Um, that's his uh, job. Uh, yeah, today is Heineken. Tomorrow is a Pabst Blue Ribbon. Right. Um, right. And he gets them all down. Uh, Marduk and then, Light. Marduk <laughs> Light. <laughs> and then when that sack of tablets finally gets to a cod, um, his buddy can sit down and read about all of Humui's lunches. Yeah. For 200 days. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting, right? That's great. It's like, it's going back through uh, his post history, as it were. Um, uh, The problem, of course, is just that uh, he had to wait two weeks to get it all in one big lump. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was like one of those downloads where your, the setting on your browser or whatever it was, instead of being set to download like four or five or 10 or whatever streams at once so that the short files, as soon as they finish the next file goes, it's just doing parallel, right? Downloading a bunch of things in parallel. It's just that one big download and there's no zipping. You can't compress this thing. Anyway, huge back. The backpack is essentially the zip file. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and and this, this thing arrives. Now the goal is we, he wants to be live. He's very ambitious. Humui, mm-hmm. is that the name? Yeah. Um, he's very ambitious. He wants to be live streaming with the world. He's a little bit off for his time. He's, but you know, he's far thinking. And um, I mean, he's got, got writing. So he's like, oh, oh, he sees all the way to the future. Mm-hmm. He's like, if we can write things and we have scribes and he's a government guy. So he's a little bit elitist. And, but He's not like the bean counter division. He's just, you know, he's like, I, I make laws and people, I don't know. There's always seems to be a staff available. No, he's right? in the yeast counter division, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, so he's just thinking, you know, man, if I had enough scribes and enough horses and char- chariots uh, and stone, give me stone, um, then uh, and clay, sorry, he, he, um, he could be live streaming to the world. So he aims to set up a mass distribution system. Um, how, how, what can he do? So he could have an army of scribes. Yep, right? that's right. So now he's got 20 scribes going all day, every day. Um, as yep. fast as he can write stuff down, um, the scribes can copy it. Right, right. right. And um, they, well, and even, then, let's go bigger, 10,000. Okay, I mean, sure. he wants to communicate yeah, with yeah, the, the, Babylon- the Babylonians right. did stuff big. That's no that's right. That's, that's no right. problem. That's right. Um, and then once this, and then as soon as they're copied, they get sent out. Right? They're put yeah. 
on an ox cart and carried. Now, yeah. even if it takes two weeks to get to the edges of the Babylonian Empire, if we're sending out the ox carts constantly, um, right. then they're going to be arriving constantly. So people in Akkad can get a live stream of cuneiform tablets. Mm-hmm. It's just delayed by two weeks plus the copying time, which is probably, let's call it another week. So right. let's Perfectly say acceptable, by the way, because technically everything, when, if you're watching a live stream, it's a little bit delayed anyway. Through the transition. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah. yeah, so now instead of the the half second delay that makes Zoom conversations so irritating, um, now we have a three week delay. But a really a really dedicated reader can still follow Humui's live stream, um, and to the, as far as they know, it could be instantaneous, right? The the delay doesn't affect them in any way. <laughs> but there's a glitch. There's a glitch where the first batch of cuneiforms arrives and they're all blank. The slates are all blank. And mm-hmm. so then the recipient has to uh, write something, uh, a cuneiform back, get a horse, send it back. So a month after sending it, Humui gets a, a cuneiform back and it says, Humui, you're muted. You're muted. <laughs> you're <laughs> muted. And he keep they keep coming every day. You're muted for another month, 30 mm-hmm. messages. And he's like, I've already... So... Yeah, that's right. And then, um, because this is uh, uh, this is a long time ago, um, one of the drivers of the ox cart, uh, one of these ox carts, um, gets the plague and dies oh, oh, halfway there. Yeah. Um, so then, a day that doesn't happen these days. No plague. <laughs> that's right. It's very rare. He didn't that wear a mask. Internet servers get the plague. Um, they get other things, but they that's true. Get the plague. Um, so then, um, if you're waiting in a cod, uh, one day no ox cart shows up. Oh and you just don't have your live stream of Humui's lunch that day. Um, and again, you can let Humui know there's a problem, but it's going to be uh, weeks before he hears about it and then <laughs> weeks before he can do anything about it. So even if he resends the missing day, um, then you're going to get that out that day out of order. Um, so one of the things you're actually going to have to really think through is figuring out a system for making it clear what the order of these is because sometimes one ox cart is going to be faster than another right and they're going to arrive out of order and if you don't know this um, then that's going to be a real problem so you need to figure out and and as we've we've been joking um, it takes so long to communicate between the sender and the receiver that you need to figure out a system that works without them talking to each other Yes, right. correct. Yeah. Um, so data, data, data correction, right. built in. Data and I should say so, but and this is still a problem with the internet today because if right. you had to confirm every bit you got, then um, it would be unbelievably slow, and you would double the amount of information, the bandwidth you would need to transmit any given piece of information. So what you want to do is set up protocols so both sides know if there's something wrong. Um, and if there is something, a set of rules for checking the data to make sure it's okay. Um, and then a decision about what to do if there's a problem with the data. Um, and that essentially is the internet, right? So that HTTP that you used to see at the start of every um, web address is hypertext right. transfer protocol. That's a set of rules for transmitting the information. 
Um, and that's what, like, that's what it means to be part of the internet is that you agree to this set of rules for how the information gets passed around. And in, in a, in a very general sense, um, the Babylonians, the Babylonian live stream, um, would have has the, the same basic problem of just the language, right? If, if the Babylonians, if, if Humui is writing in cuneiform, but the folks in Akkad are expecting Chinese characters, then they can't make any sense of it. So they agree ahead of time implicitly that they're going to be writing in the same language. Um, so you need at least that. But then you need yeah. these extra protocols to, uh, to agree what the thing is going to, to look like. Um, and some of those protocols are really simple, right? Starting off with the date. Uh, if you're writing a letter to somebody, you start with the date and then you write mm -hmm. Dear Humui. Um, but, and then you sign it with your name at the bottom. But those are, those are protocols and expectations. And if you come from a, a culture where you put the sender's name at the top and the recipient's name at the bottom, then you're going to read that letter in the wrong way. Uh, right. Wow. So, so transmitting information is not just about getting the physical chunk of information from point A to point B, um, wow. but in order to do it efficiently and in a meaningful kind of way, you also need these sets of rules um, for how you should transmit the information and how you should read it. So just like, for instance, the, uh, the, the uh, golden record uh, that mm -hmm. Carl Sagan and company put on uh, the uh, Pioneer. The pioneers, yeah, uh, spacecraft, yeah. For those of you, yes, know. it included instructions um, for the aliens who found it. Mm -hmm. Kind of, you know, as best as we could, it has some instructions for how to basically build a record play or put put the thing together so they can play it and and, and understand it. So it's possible that the first cuneiforms that Humui sends out. Um, well, the first batch is screwed up. Everyone's confused. What? Yeah, what is this? We didn't even. Them. It's spam, right? <laughs> it's like yeah. you're sitting yeah. in a ca I keep forgetting the name. A ca a cod. A cod. You're in a cod, and a chariot pulls up and throws some cuneiform tablets at you, <laughs> right? About a, a twenty of them, just bam. You're like, this is spam. That's right. We you should have a folder. Either. We need a folder. For this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you might have no idea what it what it is. So it's, as you say, it's just irritating. Um, yeah. and those, again, right. those of us of a certain age remember what happened if you set up your modem, which is how computers used to talk to each other over phone lines. Um, and when you turned on the modem, the modem would make these awful screeching noises. Um, and what the modem was doing. And if the computer, if there's a computer on the other end, of those screeching noises. The computer hears those screeching noises and that's them setting up their protocol, letting each other know this is how we're going to talk to each other. Yeah. Um, but if you're a human being and you pick up and you're expecting a human voice, but you get the modem um, uh, screeching at you, that's because you have a different set of protocols. Um, you're expecting a particular kind of thing. The modem is expecting a different kind of thing. And that's why you can't talk to each other. There's plenty of information going back and forth. But because you haven't set up, a, you haven't agreed with the modem ahead of time about how to have that conversation, you can't do right. it. Wow. It's amazing this uh, <laughs> correspondence thing ever got started. Forget the internet. It's amazing <laughs> we even got started. Yeah. How uh, do, I don't know if you know this, but like, are there, do we have any um, documentation, so to speak, or, 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 or artifacts 
that early cuneiforms, early uh, tablets that show the process developing, like someone discussing, like, here's how this is going to work. Yes. Yeah, we do. We have a we lot. Do. Um, a and lot. there's, uh, so one of my colleagues, for instance, um, uh, here at NYU, a guy named Ethan Harkness, studies this process in um, early China. So the, the very earliest texts and how they were um, exchanged with each other. Um, so we do. It's hard because it's a really, uh, the record is very partial. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so are these I'm, like manuals? Well, actually, so, um, uh, yeah, I mean, there weren't manuals in, in the formal sense. Right. Um, uh, but, yeah, you can reconstruct it from there. Well, the three-ring binder technology, I mean, it's very sophisticated. So well, so for instance, in, in ancient China, um, before paper per se, um, before pages of paper were made, um, mm-hmm. they wrote on long strips because reeds were the, the things you made the paper out of. So the very early texts are just the reeds themselves. They aren't made into larger pages. So there are these long wow. strips um, that are then tied wow. together and made into scrolls. Um, so, so Ethan, for instance, um, you know, a lot of this is archeology. span So at the bottom of garbage dumps, you'll find these strips of reeds, which are like practice writing. Really? Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Um, So you can see people figuring, experimenting with this. Like, what if I make the character look like this? No, that's crummy. I'll throw it away. What (laughs) what if I make it look like this? And so on. Wow. I went, and were they individuals? Or there must have been schools occasionally. There were whole schools, yeah. Okay. Schools, no, yeah. The, the, the schools for scribes, as it were. Yeah. Wow. So the early, the early Hogwarts, in a way. Um, mm-hmm. The early, so a reed, meaning a long, long thing that grows out of the ground. They would split it open. Mm-hmm. They would split it open and you'd mash it. Yeah. And they basically, I imagine they get, what, one line of text? Yep, that's right. All the way through. Wow. That's amazing. And then they would just string those together? Uh, yeah, they'd kind of tie them together. Um, and so make, like the telegraph or something. Scrolls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or paper tape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. All right. So Humui, uh, he's very successful. And um, he basically reached the singularity of his day. And somehow he was, again, he was uh, the king. I suppose there would have been a king of Taiwan. Uh, yes. mm-hmm. Right. Gets wind of it and thinks this is just fantastic. Obviously, I could be spreading fake news everywhere, um, and uh, and my beer empire could grow fantastically sure. by serving the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he considered himself, by the way, the king of beers. Uh-huh. And he said, someday there will be puppy bowl and the <laughs> Super Bowl. Anyway, uh, and I will have horses. The, the Clydesdales will be pulling my cart. And I. this is how, right. So King Budweiser of mm. Babylon. Um, he's in the, he's like, my beer, it, I got it. I got to water it down because I need to make it last. It needs to spread all over the world. So a lot going on here. Um, cause I live next to an artisanal brewery, the Brooklyn brewery. So I am throwing mm-hmm. shit. Yep. It's on the mind. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, he, he's finally done it. And, um, what does it look like with this? Imagine if he he reached maximum potential given okay it's the the chariots move at the speed they do mm-hmm. but just paint us a picture of the world in which these uh horse drawn stone tablet packet 
carrying things are feeding information all over the back and forth all over the world. What does it look like? Well, it looks like most of Babylonian civilization is going to be devoted to this project because the, uh. the, the sheer number <laughs> yeah. of people that need to be involved in this is going to be staggering. Um, so you need a whole network of roads um, connecting city to city. Um, right. And your ox carts are going to be nose to tail um, uh, from city to city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, um, it, it's sort of... Uh, a, conceivable um but the whole of babylonian civilization is going to be devoted to this project of yeah. live streaming the, the king's lunch yeah <laughs> the yeah. information superhighway will literally be a <laughs> a highway super yeah. stinky highway <laughs> this right. be yeah that's right that's just yeah just taking care making sure the the road is clear of ox poop is going to be uh, right. a pretty right. staggering project and you know, um, but yeah. all the infrastructure involved, feeding those horses, cleaning mm -hmm. up after horses. Yep, that's right. So it's an enormous investment um, here. And is I should say, is essentially impossible, right? This could not have been done at the time. But actually, the, the problem, uh, the, the thing that um, they're, we're trying to accomplish here, um, ancient kings were totally aware of. They did want everyone in their empire to know what the monarch was up to and why the monarch was awesome, right? Yeah. This was because yeah. that's how you keep people under control. So you couldn't do it live, um, but you had to do it in some way. So things like uh, statues and mosaics and base reliefs, um, these were all uh, distributed from the centers of power to the peripheries to accomplish the same sort of task. Um, so that people living in a small city at the edge of the empire could go to the town center and look mm -hmm. at the statue um, of the king and say, wow, we've got a great king. Right. I'm really yeah. excited about the king. And uh, this is why the, you know, the base of the statue would have uh, carvings of the king defeating their enemies or hanging out with the gods or doing whatever the king thought would be particularly impressive. Yeah. Um, and the idea was that people would go and see that and experience that on a regular basis, and that would improve their loyalty. Yeah, so sort sort of like basically the the obelisk at the, in the town square is kind of like the mainframe yeah. or the terminal. Right. You know, the one this town has one terminal, mm -hmm. uh, and you go to Everybody it. Everybody shares it. Yep, and it's only got one picture on it. All right. So, uh, so it right. no gifts, no gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So lastly, imagine Humui's his final achievement just before he died. At age, what, what age would people die back then? 30 uh, well, the usual rule is if you live, the longer you live, the longer you can live. So if you make it to 40, you'll probably make oh. it to 70. The trick okay. is making it past like three. Right. So Humui did good. He gets into his, gets to about 70. Mm -hmm. And uh, his last achievement was it, it was, it was never carried out, but he wrote down, uh, or he had his scribe, he, he, sorry, he, he carved it into clay, plans for a gift. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, basically, this is how many horses you would need and how many stone towels. I imagine to make that gift work, you would basically need to just uh, stack, you know, you, everyone would look at this one tablet and then someone would very quickly throw another tablet in front of it and then another one in front of it and thereby yeah. create 
mm -hmm. the poorest quality animation imaginable. But what a show. I would go see that. It would be very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank shout out to Humui and uh, today sponsored by the god Marduk and um, Pep's Blue Ribbon. And Pep oh. <laughs> Pep's Blue Ribbon. Um, thank you. And by knowledge. Today brought to you by knowledge of history. See, this was spectacular. Thank you for this. It was like super entertaining, super fun. I hope you all enjoyed that as well. Right in. Let us know what questions do you have? What calculations? And if we can calculate any of that infrastructure, we could get uh, Infrastructure Week going, which is kind of a joke in America. Infrastructure Week <laughs> is coming. But, you know, what would he, what would Infrastructure Week be like? Um, I'm going to close out here with one. Uh, let's, let's grab another thing from the, uh, from the mailbag. And uh, I believe this is from uh, a friend of yours, uh, Guy. Yeah. Guy writes in and uh, says... Uh, show idea what the if <laughs> and then he says music comes on too loud <laughs> he's anticipating it correctly what the if uh there was no radiation yeah or what if it that, was we did that one too we did we're, this we're in the old parts of the mailbag uh this <laughs> welcome to the old parts of the mailbag the scribes who wrote these aren't even around anymore <laughs> Nonetheless, it's fun to hear the, the so uh, what if there was no radiation? What if it was reduced by half, one quarter, etc.? Does Indian Point, that's right, does Indian Point get closed down? Does the sun go dark? You know what I'm going to do? I'll use these to go back and find that. I challenge you, whattheif.com, or scroll back on your app and find the episode the guy is talking about. In, in which I, if, if we did this, I mean, the guy was elevated to super ifer status for this. This is the greatest right. hits, the greatest hits. What the if there was no radiation? And uh, be careful, the music comes on too loud. <laughs> Anything you want to plug, Matt? Anything coming up? Uh, no, classes start on Monday, but um, nope. unless you're unfortunate enough to be registered for one of my classes, that won't affect you. Uh-huh, right. Now, you're vaccinated. Are the students vaccinated? Is it in person yet? Um, I will not be teaching in person this spring, um, uh -huh. uh, and most students probably will not have been vaccinated yet, right, um, right. unless they're in a particular category. Right. Just another reason for teachers to fear their students. <laughs> there's a there's plenty already, but yes. Yes, yes. And uh, why don't you get, get how would you uh, describe, give a little pitch, uh, if, if anyone's just tuning in for the first time, what is the other show we have called Fantastic Voyage? What's that about? Uh, well, Fantastic Voyage is the uh, miniature version of What the If, uh, in the sense that we've been shrinking ourselves down uh, and watching things like vaccinations work uh, on the molecular level. Yeah, we go inside the body in a little ship called The If. And uh, Gabby Panicia, a virolo incredible virologist and amazing science communicator uh, from Rockefeller University, joins us for that. And those are all fun. So generally, those go up Mondays or Tuesdays. You know, we're very, very tiny. So getting the communication out is complicated. So that's why it's been a little yeah, sputtering that, a little bit. It's, mm -hmm. it's a it's a new spinoff show, but it's it's gearing up. Uh, so let us know if you've been enjoying that. And if you have any questions, by the way, for Gabby for that, uh, or suggestions as to where we should go in the tiny, 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 tiny good ship, if, uh, let us know, and we will do that. 
Keep those cards and letters coming, folks. Also, write a review. If you haven't written a review, I haven't mentioned it in a long time, but uh, we could really use those. That'd be great. The The more listeners we have, the more ifs we have coming. So that's always good for us uh, using your podcast app right now. The show's over. You had a good time. If you enjoyed the things that uh, Matt gave you, have a beer. Pay yourself in beer. You've learned something. You had fun. You know, maybe write a Cunea form about it and put a little at symbol at the beginning and maybe someone else will see it uh, a million years or, you know, a few thousand years in the future. But uh, now, Matt, when you imagine all these cuneiform ifs, being written and sent along the stinky information highway how does it make you feel what do you want to do uh i would probably shout in terror as i see the unstoppable wave of ox carts coming my way whirling cuneiform tablets at my head uh and i would then have to shout what What? 